Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. I have an army. We have a Hulk. You're not the guy to make the sacrifice play? To lay down on a wire and let the other guy crawl over you? You're a laboratory experiment, Rogers. Everything special about you came from the bottom. I put a bullet in my mouth and the other guy spit it out. He's my friend. So was I. Nobody spills the secrets because nobody knows them. The city's flying. We're fighting an army of robots. And I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. I'm man popping, y'all! I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. Oh, I'll get that up. The, the Under Channel. The Under Under Made up names. Um, I'm Spider-Man then. The under channel you become part of a bigger universe you just don't know it yet welcome to the under channel versus the marvel cinematic universe this is robert under at my side turning knobs and man in the drops aaron you just don't know it and our resident justin hammer steve excelsior today we're going to be talking about iron man 2 released on may 7th 2010 and directed by john favre Iron Man 2 was the third film to be released and is the fourth chronologically. After revealing his identity as Iron Man, Tony Stark is now under intense scrutiny by the U.S. government, who believe the technology is too great to be privatized. But that's the least of his worries, as the core technology keeping him alive has begun to prove ineffective, and personal demons threaten to derail everything. So these movies have been talked to death, so we're not going to go too deep, but here's a couple points I'd like to discuss. Iron Man 2 came out two years after the initial one. So Iron Man gets a sequel before any of the other characters are introduced. Do you guys think that this was a plan that Marvel had? Or do you think that the first one was just so successful they were trying to capitalize on it? I think that was because it was so, so successful. I mean, the only one who didn't get a movie before Iron Man, before Iron Man 2 or after Iron Man 2 was um, Cap. Well, no. So it's it's Iron Man, then it's Incredible Hulk, then it's Iron Man two, and then okay, and then, then you then have Thor, Thor and, and Captain America come afterwards. Okay, I got my order mixed up. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I I would say I don't think it was planned initially for them to have Captain America or I'm sorry Iron Man two directly after that. But I think that again the character was so successful they're like hey we might as well strike the iron when it's hot instead of making another mistake because with Incredible Hulk. They had faltered a little bit, so why are they going to try to push another character that people may not care about? What do you think, Aaron? Well, Iron Man was extremely successful. The concept was successful. The character was successful. Before that, Iron Man was a B-list comic book character for many people. Like people didn't. It wasn't who cares. Iron yeah, Man? in the nineties, Iron yeah. Man was the very forgetful character. Yeah. Hell, hell, when I saw the movie Iron Man One in theaters, same here. I mean, I was just like. I mean, yeah, we'll see it, sure, but it's like... I didn't expect it's not, to be blown away. It wasn't... I wasn't expecting to see Spider-Man or or X-Men, who were like the top dogs. That was your top tier of, of heroes at the time. Yeah. Until the Marvel Studios came, Iron Man was B, and now he's like an S tier. So yeah, definitely, I thought that they were striking while the iron was hot. That's a good way to put it. They had their ideas of where they wanted to go, and they were going to make that movie... And to see it get its sequel before anything else got rolling, a little odd. From things that I've read, you definitely had friction between um, Marvel Studios and Favre. There were some things creatively that, you know, where he felt they were rushing it and he wanted to develop the movie more and they kind of just pushed things ahead of time. 
Aaron, you're ruining my trivia. It's all right. It's all right. I'll keep it brief. <laughs> but there are there are reasons as this movie develops as you watch it and go back and and pick it apart that it got a sequel. Okay. And it's you know what it starts and we'll we'll talk about yeah. that later. One thing I really liked about this movie, again, there is a bad guy in this movie, Ivan Vanko. Uh, Mickey Rourke's character Whiplash we'll talk about him in just a moment but the true enemy in this is first the US government who's trying to seize his private property for the greater good the first time in the Marvel Universe which has actually become pretty prevalent of the government overreaching its power that you see the same thing in Thor later on there are some underhanded sides of the government in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is starting to show right here but then also Justin Hammer as a villain Although he is a competitor of Tony Stark's, he still is working almost as a consultant for the government. He's the one who comes in and gives them the information on on the Warhammer suit. He's the one who is looking to give them the mass-produced suit that they want. His big thing is to be as rich and as powerful as Tony Stark. He wants to be greater than Tony Stark. Well, that ain't happening. Yeah. I had one major issue with Justin Hammer as a character. I found out it's Sam Rockwell who plays it. Great actor. The entire time, I was fairly certain it was Dana Carvey. Um, I got a <laughs> yeah, picture yeah, of the two. Too, I kept I looking. I was like, when you say it. "Why would they cast Dana Carvey in this movie? Why?" I know he's a master of disguise. Did it really? But it threw you off the entire time. It really. Very every nice. time he was on the scene, I was just. It's like, you know, it really doesn't make any sense to cast Dana Carvey in this role. Not that he's a great villain anyway, and I like that later on it's proven that all of Hammer well, Tech is just complete trash. Just yeah. But I really, every time he was on the screen, because I like Dana Carvey so much, I was just, it's so fucking odd to see Dana Carvey in an action movie. <laughs> it just, it threw me off. Was I like it! Was Master Disguise considered a comedy or an action? No, it was more of a comedy. I consider yeah. it more of a masterpiece. <laughs> really? It was, a, it was a critical failure, and it ended his career. Steve, you got to get past the critics, man. Yeah, like, the critics come on. I'm not saying because of the I'm not saying because of the critics. Yeah. I'm saying movies meant to make box money. Office. Movies meant to make money are never. If we if we look at movies in their success, depending on how much money they made, Office Space would be trash. But none of that. You poo poo and you shit on every pundit who's on ESPN <laughs> and ESPN two. Uh-huh. But when it comes to movie reviews, you take all the dicks in your mouth. Because I love them. All right, next up, Iron Man as a celebrity. This is an interesting way for them to introduce the character. We, the movie actually starts with him at a new Stark Expo, making the uh, announcement back. that this is the longest period of uninterrupted peace we've had because of the Iron Man suit, because people around the world know, hey, we have a weapon that can go there and stop you. I really liked the small things you saw throughout this about Tony Stark's profile, um, like the Iron Man pop art that makes an appearance in the movie, as yeah. if somebody, you know, a famous artist had done that rendition. Yep. Tony Stark being like the celebrity at that Formula One race car thing where Whiplash makes an appearance. Yeah. I really liked that they didn't shy away from Tony Stark as the arrogant billionaire asshole. They really kept to it. Hey. Not only is now he the richest man, not only is he... His ego's uh, through the roof. Yeah, his ego's through the roof. But he's also a superhero, so he truly is untouchable. Your skill is unique. Ivan Vanko. Here's my complaints with Ivan Vanko. I think Mickey Rourke did a fantastic job with the character. I really enjoyed seeing his development when he's kind of working underneath Justin Hammer's thumb and working on a way of mass-producing the hammer droid. Okay. He's only in two action scenes. 
He's in the very beginning when he's in the car where yeah. he appears, and he's at the very end where he's in the suit and he gets blown up between Warhammer and Iron Man. Other than that, for him to be the main super villain in it, he's locked in a room, he's sitting at a computer desk, he's not doing what you would have expected for after the appearance of that. He's a smart villain. No, he is. He absolutely is a smart villain. But you know, yeah, he's he's being he's being the villain. Show yourself, and then only come out when you really need to. He was masterminding behind the scenes. He didn't need to show his. He didn't need to whip it out and, and, and slam it on the table. Yeah. That you being know? said, he's likable. The whole scene in the middle where he's captured and you know Justin Hammer comes in and takes what is this, his shoes, the pillow, and his bird. <laughs> his bird. <laughs> he takes that like, and then he ends up hanging those uh, those guards yeah, from yeah. the thing. Like he is a super likable character. I was just sad to see that his physical prowess and the fighting scenes weren't utilized. You also so much. you would also have to put into mind how much could Mickey work actually do. Don't be like that. About I'm not. Work, I'm just. I'm just legitimately asking what, like, maybe he can only do so much, like action scenes. But Samuel L. Jackson and Miss Marvel can be running. Yeah, did you? No, you I have seen not it seen yet. it. Cancel that. All right. Fuck that reference. All right. Last point Why I want to make. I have a question that, huh? A last well, point I want to make on this one. Right, you got something? Yeah. All right. So your your main complaint about Ivan Drago, whatever the hell's name Ivanko. was, Ivanko, is that he only gets two action scenes? Absolutely. Okay. So your main applause for Iron Man 1 was we only get three action scenes because you've you've shown the character now mm. in Iron Man 1 you've shown that you can do a character drama with them but now when you're introducing an actual main supervillain that has notoriety that comes from a comic book story give me that fight scene can you imagine if the Avengers this didn't have that work. huge payoff fight scene at the end yeah we didn't get that with Ivan Vanko in the end no not with Vanko himself. Directly. Absolutely. And okay. if Vanko had come in at the very end after they fought off all those hammer droids and his fight scene with War Machine and Iron Man was more than two minutes, I wouldn't have this complaint. It was just very unclimactic at the end when he finally showed up in his body armor. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck off on that. <laughs> yeah. Last complaint I have about this movie. Don Cheadle replacing Terrence Howard. And I have a very simple complaint for him. I don't actually know why the change was made. Could I have been. Tell, I can tell you right money, now. What's, money, what's the reason? Money. Yeah, Terrence Howard wanted to be paid like Robert Downey Jr. was because... And Iron Man 1, Terrence Howard was paid the most because, because of how much of a risk Robert Downey Jr. was. And Terrence Howard was, got the top billing for Iron Man 1. Iron Man 2, completely different story. Robert Downey Jr. is making a crap load more money. And Terrence Howard's like, I want to be paid like him. And... Marvel's like, bye-bye. Yeah, which is awful. We're not willing to do that for your seven lines. I'm not saying he has a huge amount in the movie, like, but at least Terrence Howard as Tony Stark's friend or as Robert Downey Jr. Sent, makes sense to me. They're both cool. Yeah, like, that's, they replaced the cool. Don Cheadle is a dork. Don, cool. Don, Don Cheadle's Cheadle the fucking man. You shut dork. your mouth. He's a dork. He's a dork in that He's, movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think anybody else can pull off Terrence Captain Howard Planet. Howard was cool. I don't think anybody else can pull off he Captain Planet. Play, what? When did he play Captain Planet? It's it's a YouTube funnier dive play. video. It's funny. It is good. Oh yeah, that's all right. We're moving on. <laughs> all right. To close out our first part of the show, we decided to feature a single piece of dialogue that we felt best captured the essence of the film. Allow me to paint you a picture. While Tony Stark continues to struggle with his impending death due to the radiation caused by the core reactor. Nick Fury approaches to explain the many benefits that come along from a partnership with S.H.I.E.L.D. You told me I hadn't tried everything. What do you mean I haven't tried everything? What happened I tried? He said that you were the only person with the means and knowledge 
to finish what he started. He said that. Mm -hmm. Are you that guy? Hmm? Are you? Because if you are, then you can solve the riddle of your heart. I don't know where you're getting your information, but uh, he wasn't my biggest fan. What do you remember about your dad, huh? He was cold, he was calculating. He never told me he loved me, he never even told me he liked me. So it's a little tough for me to digest when you're telling me he said the whole future was riding on me and he's passing it down. I don't get that. We're talking about a guy who's happy to stay was when he shipped me off to boarding school. That's not true. Well, then clearly you know my dad better than I did. As a matter of fact, I did. He was one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. What? I got a two o'clock. Wait, 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 wait. What's this? Okay, you're good, right? You, you, no, I'm you, not good. You got this, right? Got right? what? I don't yeah. even know what I'm supposed to get. If you enjoy what you've heard so far, our website is theunderchannel.com. More episodes are available on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Over 21 movies in 11 years, the minds behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe have worked to craft one of the deepest interconnected film series of all time. It's time for Aaron to tell just how Iron Man 2 ties into the overall storyline by serving up some connective tissue. Holy jeez. So at first, jumping into all this weirdness of tissue and connectivity, I expected to get nothing out of Iron Man 2. Just because... I hadn't looked at it through the right lens, and I'd only seen it probably twice before we ventured into this uh, under-channel endeavor. I got a lot. Get ready, boys. Buckle up. Let's chime in. So, we, all, we asked earlier, what was the point of doing an Iron Man 2 movie? It was the setup. It was a big setup for everything else that you would see Marvel comic universe-wise. It's a really good way to set up everything for the Avengers. Yep. And even more than just the Avengers, there's so much that gets hinted at. First, Spider-Man. How does Spider-Man play into this movie? You I wasn't going to I wasn't going to talk about this one. Yeah. Well, cuz it's kind of fan theory-ish. No, it's confirmed. It's been confirmed though. Okay. So Can when, confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> when uh uh Iron Man is about to um he's fighting all those hammer bots. There's a little kid that stands up to one with Iron Man's mask on. Yeah. And Iron Man shoots it and he's like, thanks, kid. Some crap like that. That is the kid who becomes Spider-Man. How do we? Uh, how have they confirmed this other than just saying it afterwards? Well, I mean, that's kind of what they said. He wasn't you. wearing like, there wasn't a spider on his shoulder no, or No, because he's a little kid at the time. But I hate this time theory. <laughs> <laughs> Timeline-wise, it adds up to his age and everything. So it works. Oh, okay. And if when you watch Spider-Man Homecoming, he's a huge fan of Tony Stark. Absolutely. Almost to an obsession level. Okay. And it's because he stood side by side with Tony Stark and shot down a hammerbot. All right. So that we'll just get that one out of the way. Throughout this movie, S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes much more prevalent. We become much more aware that there are other forces that are trying to govern what's happening around the world that are looking into these things that are beyond the normal realm of thought. You learn that Tony Stark's father was a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. throughout this movie. And that really gets Tony pulled in. Because this whole time, S.H.I.E.L.D. is really trying to convince Tony that he should be a part of what they're trying to do. The intelligence that they're putting together, the force that they're trying to use, because there's other things that are coming along yeah that was actually a note i had i had written when i was watching it is you know we had iron man that was his origin incredible hulk captain they all had their origins 
Iron Man 2 is like your S.H.I.E.L.D. origin. Mm -hmm. It really is where S.H.I.E.L.D., you felt like they came into form. Again, even in the original Iron Man, they don't even call themselves S.H.I.E.L.D. No. They're just the... They give the long form. The long form, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) In this one, it felt like, oh my God, no. Because of what happened in the original Iron Man, the government realized they've got to put some more effort and money into it. Yes. so. So Tony's always excited by a challenge. And at first, he really didn't want much to do with it. But after they pulled the the father's chest out of the thing type of, it kind of challenged him to start working with S.H.I.E.L.D. So you begin to see Tony Stark's role as being part of S.H.I.E.L.D. start to develop. Neat thing that you see in this one of these scenes is when Stark is finally figuring out how to take care of his chest in the Palladium Corps. Agent Coulson comes into the room and notices Captain America's S.H.I.E.L.D. is amongst all the junk that he has Tony Stark doesn't even pl- you know, he just give me that I need to level out this machine I'm yeah. trying to make so but it is Captain America's shield yeah I thought they were going to do something with the vibranium and yeah. say like that was the well, a, a good material for it but it literally was just he just wanted it for leverage which is weird because it is vibranium that he uses in the end yeah. to uh, make his new core by the end of the movie well not quite by in that exact same scene i apologize in that exact same scene colson tells him hey he's got to leave he's being reassigned to a new thing out in new mexico aka the hammer that fell out of the sky which we see later on in the uh the end credits that's awesome so that ties it into going there's no way we're not getting a thor movie there's no way it's not gonna happen beyond that first time we're introduced to the how do we say it? Mouth-watering character? Is that, is, that a, is that a good way? Romanoff? Romanoff, yes. Or as she would like to be called at this point, Natalie Rushman. <laughs> the Black Widow. Yeah. So she comes in. She's just trying to work with Tony Stark. You know, she's basically, S.H.I.E.L.D. has told her, go in, be undercover, spy on him, keep an eye on him, report back to us. This is basically her whole role. We had mentioned it when we we did... Uh... The Dark Knight, when we had our discussion about how I didn't believe Catwoman as a badass. Yeah. This is a polar opposite. I believe this character as a badass. The entire way she's portrayed in this movie with her skill set, the way she is, the way they built her up. Was this the one where they started with her being interrogated by the Russians? No. No. Is that Avengers? The the first time you see her, she gets in the ring with uh, Happy. Oh, absolutely. She comes in. She's an assistant. She's John Favre. Yeah. But I believe this character. I'm really glad you brought that up because. I didn't think she was going to play as huge a role in what this has become when I first watched this movie. So, Next little piece. This is a, a blink and you miss it type thing. You find out about Project Pegasus. Later on, if you've seen uh, Captain Marvel, you know all about Project Pegasus at this time. But it's a joint venture between NASA and S.H.I.E.L.D. to research and study the Tesseract. And that's the facility you see at the end of this movie. Hmm. Other scenes show a computer with areas of interest for S.H.I.E.L.D. One of them is Wakanda. One of them is the legendary city of Atlantis. Maybe there's a possibility Namor. of Namor, the Submariner. Yep. God, he would, that is such a hard play. Yeah. I mean, After Aquaman, it'd be difficult. Yeah. It, no, gonna... I mean, if, if they did Namor... Probably within three years from now, everyone's going to say you just copied Aquaman. Exactly. Nobody's going to give it any credit. So As they should. (laughs) Also, in an extended scene of Iron Man 2, you hear some questioning about Project Pegasus, Project Exodus, and Project Goliath, which leads into Ant-Man and Wasp. 
So those are kind of just a bunch of tie-ins. They forgot the hog one. Oh, because the computer shows New York, Brooklyn. Yeah, no, it shows it shows the news footage of Hulk when he's... True, good call. That's pretty much the only one you forgot. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So after that, the next thing that we talked about... Well, last thing we talked about when we talked about Iron Man is the suits. We get to see Mark IV, Mark V, and Mark VI in this movie. Four is just basically a repaired version of Mark III. Five is probably... I think five is still my favorite suit of all, and it's the suitcase suit. That he has no, because it's such a—it's just so badass. Yeah. It's like, suitcase, boom, boom. He's all suit up now. So it's like, yep. holy shit, that's awesome. Uh, number six is when he finally figures out how to take care of himself with the vibranium triangle. So he redoes everything. It's, it for his sucks four. that he only suits up four times in this movie. Yeah, and he makes an ass out of himself two of the times. Yep, very much. Another little bit of connection here. Uh, Gary Shandling, famous actor, passed away a couple years ago. When he's at that world summit, and like you said earlier, they're they're trying to get him to give up that suit. You find out a little bit about Gary Shandling later on. That's not the only time you're going to see that gentleman, and it ties into Captain America. Uh, Tony also says, "Hey, you know, why would I give up my suit to you? You know, that'd be like prostituting myself. So there's no point in me doing that." You get an idea that he's not going to give up his suit. He he doesn't want to give into anything the government wants to force upon him. But we'll see a turnaround on that later in these installments of these movies as well. There's a little bit of tie-in with the trailer that we've all been seeing now for Endgame. Um, When Tony is talking to his helmet, uh, you're imagining he's recording his last goodbyes to Pepper. But when he's on his date with Pepper... He's been avoiding it. (laughs) You haven't seen the Endgame trailer? I'm trying not to. Well, it's basically just him saying I love you. The quote is, if you've seen Iron Man 2, this won't spoil anything for you. It's you. It's always been you. Mm -hmm. Except that one time it was (laughs) Terrence Howard. (laughs) Ew. Not Don Cheadle. (laughs) Yeah, we're not in this. He's not cool enough. In the end, the last little bit of connection is Black Widow's report on Stark. And the recommendation is that he's not really Avenger material. Let's just keep him on as a consultant. And that ties right back to what we talked about with the Hulk movie and the little DVD feature that you end up finding out about with Thunderbolt Ross and how Stark goes back to convince Thunderbolt Ross, or not even convince him, to insult him so that nobody wants to use the Abomination as the other person within the Avenger Initiative. A lot of stuff in there. Yeah, it's a, it's for Iron a movie Man we said that it up. shouldn't exist or didn't need to exist. It's got a lot of uh, legs in that story. It's crazy. It's like a spider. When Marvel launched the MCU, they redefined canon for every one of their characters. This version is now the public perception of Iron Man. John Q. Public won't be referring to the quarter bins when defending their favorite superhero's badassery. They'll be talking about these movies. But that doesn't mean the stories being told are original to the movies. So let's check out where the studios found their inspiration. Iron Man 225-231, the Armor Wars storyline, which features Tony Stark struggling with the government as they attempt to seize control of the Iron Man technology. The character of Whiplash is actually a composite of two different characters from comic books. From Tales of Suspense number 97, uh, the actual character of Whiplash uh, with the whips and the, the physical appearance of Whiplash is from that. But the actual character of Ivan Vanko is from Tales of Suspense number 46, the first appearance of the Crimson Dynamo. 
a robot exoskeleton worn by Soviet scientist Anton Banko as the attempt to sabotage Stark Industries on behalf of the Russian government. Finally, Iron Man 120 through 128, this is the demon in a bottle storyline, featuring Justin Hammer as an opposing tech billionaire who develops a device allowing him to cause the Iron Man suit to malfunction and also explores the self-destructive nature of Tony Stark's alcoholism. So lots of different story beats from uh, different years. I mean, some of these are from the 60s, from the 70s. Lots of Iron Man lore packed into this movie. Half the fun of watching these movies isn't just what you should be paying attention to. It's the little pieces of fanfare hidden in plain sight. It's time for Steve to strap on those floppy ears and share some Easter eggs. All right. The first one is we're going to be talking about John Favre and his problem with Marvel Studios. He had a lot of friction with the Marvel higher-ups due to their constant intervention, to a point where they were having him rewrite the script on the fly. In particular, elements such as the increased prominence of the S.H.I.E.L.D. subplot were the result of a need to establish the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. These disputes got so bad that Favre will not be directing Iron Man 3. That's how bad they got. It's a shame. Yep. Scarlett Johansson dyed her hair red before she even knew she got the part. That's how bad she wanted the part. (laughs) Samuel Jackson was promised that Nick Fury would get more screen time by John Favre. Jackson almost didn't return to play Fury due to problems with uh, contract negotiations, but then he secured a landmark nine-picture deal to play Nick Fury not only in this film, but in Marvel Marvel promotions. Mm. Mickey Rourke. 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 It's a silent R that you have to pronounce. Yeah, screw it. I feel like Nick Fury got some of the most important lines in Iron Man 2, though. Mm -hmm. He did. I like that he was the one sent when Tony Stark's going off the rails. He's the one who goes and confronts him and mm-hmm. says, you know, man, we can help. We, we can work together. It doesn't have to be you do everything and we're here. Like, yeah. we're looking well, for a uh, he, he's, symbiotic relationship. Yeah, Nick Fury's the best option to send to that because he's seen some shit, so why yeah. not? Mickey Rourke, oh, um, I mean, he hasn't seen it with both eyes, but. <laughs> <laughs> Almost dropped out of the film when Marvel's initial pay offers was up to $250,000. So. So they were lowballing him at first, but then he's like, I'm not going to play that. Damn. Sylvester Stallone didn't do that to him. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about Larry King's cameo in this. Not Larry King. Stanley. Stanley. Dang, Larry King. <laughs> well, he's he gets confused as Larry King in this one. During the Stark Expo, Stanley wearing suspensions and a red shirt and black and purple ties, mistakenly graded by Tony Stark as Larry King. So... Yeah, early on, a lot of these other ones are buried into the movie, but this was right in the very beginning. New York, hello. Yep. If you enjoy what you're hearing so far, our website is theunderchannel.com. More episodes are available on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The time has come for the Marvel Cinematic Universe giant-sized trivia challenge. Aaron and Steve will face off daily to determine who's really paying attention as they attempt to slog through these films. Scores will tally throughout the month, and at the end, Whoever has answered the most questions correct will be crowned the winner, and the loser shall face punishment. We will start with Aaron. After informing Pepper... Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I got a buzzer. Oh, I did give buzzers to the guys. Um, The first question will be going to Aaron. The second will be going to Steve. The third question will be open to whoever buzzes in first. Aaron, your sound is... Steve, your sound is... I do expect to hear that sound before your answer, gentlemen. Aaron, after informing Pepper Potts that he will be handing over the title of CEO of Stark Industries to her, Tony Stark is seen sharpening his fighting abilities in a boxing ring with John Favre. He then drinks water from a water bottle with the logo for what company on it? Evian. 
That is incorrect. Steve, would you like to take a guess? Yeah, Aquafina. Absolutely not. It is Dick's Sporting Goods. What? He has a water bottle with Dick's Sporting Goods oh, on shit. it. Oh, shit. Yeah, that makes What the sense. hell is Dick's Sporting Goods? It's a sporting goods store. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't think a billionaire would be using a Dick's water. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, if anything, it would be a Gatorade bottle. I heard Gatorade's not that good for you. It is and isn't at the same time. As Tony Stark continues to lose control of his personal demons, Nick Fury attempts to talk some reason into him. When he approaches to offer some shield technology to save his life, Tony is lounging in the middle of a giant donut sign. What is the name of this donut shop, Steve? Oh, it's a famous one, too. Oh, I can think of this as Simpsons 1. That's what's really Lard lad. <laughs> <laughs> it's inspired by it, I believe. Lard's donuts? Nope. <laughs> you don't... Steve's Donuts. <laughs> Incorrect. It is Randy's Donuts. I knew. Oh, it's got to be Randy. Randy's that name will donuts. forever plague us. <laughs> All right. This one is up for both of you. Uh, name of the HammerTech missile described by its creators as capable of busting the bunker under the bunker you just busted. If it were any smarter, it would write a book. A book that would make you Ulysses look like it was written in crayon. What is the name of that missile? It's got a stupid name. Damn it. Steve? I don't know. It's I'm a the, stupid name. I'm just going to say it's the hammer missile, but it's not right. Incorrect. F Charles. I, God. Nope. It is the same missile that at the end malfunctions when Warhammer decides yeah, to bust yep. it out. That weapon is called the X-Wife. Yeah. Okay. And with that, we end the show. But fear not, we shall return tomorrow with Thor. <laughs>